0: Let's turn in the Bibles to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, we're going to stand and we're going to read the first three verses and we're going to go through most of the chapter in Genesis chapter 50. And if you can, turn, turn to that and we're going to look at the first three verses. This is a sad moment for Joseph. This is when he re- that his father has just passed away. And it says in, in verse number one, in Genesis chapter 50, it says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him. And kissed him, and Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and to the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. Now can you imagine having a mourning of seventy days? Threescore and ten days. It's a, that's an amazing time, but we're going to talk about why they did that. This is my favorite chapter in Joseph's life. Joseph comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 30. We go to him until um, Genesis chapter 50. He passes away at the very end of this. They talk about where his bones go. In in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks that he wanted to be buried. He didn't want to be left in Egypt. And then you find out in in Exodus when they take him over there, when when they take his body over there. But I'm going to look at three different perspectives, and we're all going to have perspectives on these things. Joseph's perspective on authority, Joseph's perspective on family, and Joseph's perspective on God. And I, I can tell you right now, I think Joseph is probably one of the best people to study in the, New Te- in the Old Testament, because when you look at his life, it's, it's an amazing life. Um, when, you, when you study everything that he went through and how he turned out, he was one of those you would think, no one would ever go through this and make it. And when I study this, there's something that's different in this chapter than there's anything different in all of his whole life, and you'll find it in chapter 50, and we'll look at it in just a second. But if you look at him, I think him, if I were to say something, and it sounds like it's a very strong word, but almost a supernatural spiritual fortitude that he had. He was not the norm. There was nothing normal about him. If if you were to write a book on his... His um, aspects of life you would never think that he was going to be a success but in every aspect of his life he was a success. He was a success with, with authority he was a success with his family and he was a success with God And so we're going to look at these, we're going to look at some verses at these, but when I think of the things that he went through, and why I say supernatural, spiritual fortitude, I think of some of the things, let's just list these things that we know that he went through. We know that his brothers, at the beginning, did not like him because he talked. I I, I think he he shared a dream with them. I also think there was an aspect of his dad showing partiality towards him, giving him a jacket, saying, listen, this is my favorite son, he was the 11th in in the line. He was the first one with the wife that he truly loved. And and so he goes through and and his brothers. And then you think about slavery, thrown into slavery. I I think even in that he showed supernatural spiritual ability. His fortitude was incredible. He, He gets thrown into slavery and then he comes into a man by the name of Potiphar. And we all know that story. We've looked at it. But then we have Potiphar's wife. And I've, I've said this from this pulpit, I think everybody in that household knew who Potiphar's wife was. I don't think it was a, it was a shock to them of what she did. And, and they probably knew right off the bat that, hey, Joseph was probably not guilty. But also, I think they knew this, there's that aspect that, that we're people. You know what we do? Sometimes we like it when authority falls down. Amen? You ever been there? Well, that serves them right after what they did to me. And I don't think Joseph was a bad leader but I think there's probably some people in Potiphar's house that was glad he was gone. Then he comes in, and not only that, you have the butler and the baker. The butler gets out of a, a very bad jail and forgets about him for, many, for a couple years. It's like, how can you forget about the man that helped you figure out this dream and everything came true, and plus the, the, the baker and the butler's dreams come true. Then you have Pharaoh, he comes in and and he does all these things for Pharaoh and on the spot, Pharaoh says, listen, you are the man, I want you to do this. There's no one like you, you know what it is. And all he did was interpret a dream. And then you just think that he saved the world with that. And then later on, his brothers would come back on the scene. You want to talk about a spiritual fortitude? He didn't strike back at them. He did not go after them. He did not say things. In fact, I, I love the emotion side of Joseph. I don't know if people in here are emotional, but I think every time when you think of what Joseph, when he saw his brothers, what did he do? He wept and cried. In fact, at one particular time, he had to go out of the room and, and, and get himself all cleaned up. I think, when, when, I, when I think this story, I think he was dressed so Egyptian that no one could tell who he was. He spoke their language. And I think if you study the Egyptians, Egyptian men at that point wore makeup. He probably His makeup was probably running. And he went into the other room, fixed himself, and came back. Because he loved them, even though what they did to him. You think of your worst enemy, Joseph's brothers were that to him. And they were of his own flesh and blood. So, and you have that, and then you get get to see the father come on the scene at the very end. There's all these different aspects of Joseph's life, and yet you see Genesis chapter 50. There's something different about Genesis chapter 50, and I want to show it to you in just a second. Let's go ahead and let's look at the first one. Number one, Joseph's perspective of authority. Um, Go to verses one through six. Here it says, in this, it says in verse number one, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept. Upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. So he tells them what to do, and they do it. Now watch verse number three. Verse number three says, And 40 days were fulfilled for him, and so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. So the 40 days it took that to do that on, the, on, the, um, on Israel's side, but look at this. And the Egyptians mourned for him three score and ten, year, t- ten days. Here's 70 days. Now think about that. If it was today, it would be almost what? July, August, September when this was all done. That's a big morning. But that's what the Egyptians did. It showed you the the boldness of where Egypt was in Joseph's life and they followed it to a T, the Egyptians did. Now you're going to see the authoritative side of it in verse number 4. It says, And when the days of mourning were passed, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, what more would he have to do to find grace in their eyes? He didn't just assume that he could do this. What did he do? He goes to Pharaoh and says, Listen, I hope I've found something in your eye and you see something in me. Will you let me go bury my dad? You say, Well, what's so big about that? He just didn't assume, hey, I'm number two on the block. I can do whatever I want. No one's going to say it. He still looked at Pharaoh as an authoritative figure. I don't think he ever didn't look at Pharaoh as an authoritative figure. I think he understood that he was not number one. He was number two. And so he asked them, he says, listen, since I've have I found grace in your eyes, and keep reading it, says, if now I've found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you. In the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die, in my grave which I have digged for me, in the land of Canaan, there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. You know, it's interesting that he says this because I think in the back of maybe Pharaoh's mind that he thought, that Pharaoh thought he's going to go back to that land, and he's not going to come back. So he wanted to make sure Pharaoh would do that. There's authority. When you have authority in your life, and we all do, and Joseph always did, we've got to have the right perspective of it. Not all authority is bad, amen. I know we've got a a policeman's wife, and we've got a, a policeman back there. It's amazing how many people don't like the police until they get through go through something. Then who do they call? They don't call their neighbors. They call the police department. You know, you might not like the fire department, but your house catches on fire. You better call them. We've got to see what the authority is in our life. We, whether we like it or not, we, we have congressmen, we have senators, we have a, we have a president, a vice president, Their are authorities in our life. We have, to, we have to abide by what they say. And you might not like the IRS, but it's still an authority in your life. I know preachers, I, I know I've read some things where preachers will get up and say, you know, hey, you don't need to pay your taxes. I don't know what planet they're living on. They've never, looked, they've never, they've never studied what Jesus did. I wish we could pay taxes like Jesus. I'd be fishing all day, amen? You think about that miracle. <laughs> We're going to pay our taxes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a hook, some fishing line. Throw it out there, catch a fish, and pay your taxes. Have you ever looked at that perspective? So often we just say, man, he paid his t-. That's an amazing thing. We've got authority in our life, and, and we've, got to, we've got to make sure we understand it. So he says, he says what his father said in verse number 5, but look at what he says in verse number 6, what Pharaoh said. And Pharaoh said, go up and bear thy father according as he made thee swear. He, wants, he says, listen, you do exactly what your dad asked you to do. You know what, I think this verse right here, Bernard, shows how much Pharaoh loved Joseph. And to take it a step further, it does, let's read the next verse. The next verse says this, And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. I don't think it's, it's not written in this scripture, but I guarantee you Pharaoh went and said, I want want all the servants in in my quarters, I want to talk to you really quick. You all are going to go. Bury this man. Now, we read this in perspective. We've got to look at it something. There's a couple things with it. It's going to affect Egypt a couple ways. Number one, they're pulling a lot of people that are authority out of of their system. Not only that, it's going to cost them money to send them there. Jobs are not going to get done when they're gone. But this shows you how much this man loved Joseph. And I don't think they were complaining in front of him. I think they truly loved Joseph also. But somewhere along the line, Pharaoh says, listen, this is what's going to happen. He had the right perspective. He didn't just say, hey, Pharaoh, we're going there. Get over it. We're going there anyway. He asked, there, he asked the authority, is it all right? And that little statement, if you underline anything, says this, if now I have found grace in your eyes. really? After all that he's done, he has not only saved Pharaoh, he has saved the world with what he's done, and he's made Pharaoh one of the most wealthy people ever to walk this face of the earth. Owned all the land. Sold them their... He would, he would take their food from them and then turn, you talk about an entrepreneur and then he'd turn around and sell it on the backside of it to, back to them. He knew exactly what he was doing and he helped Pharaoh out and he asked Pharaoh, have if, if I, I found grace in your eyes now? Please let me do this. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh told him to go. Then you have um, the second one. The first one is fa- fa- um, Joseph's perspective of authority. The second one is Joseph's perspective of family. Because everything's about ready to change for the brothers. And I want you to see this. What were Joseph's two sons' names? Ephraim and who? Did Jacob see them born? No. Did Jacob, his, his father that he loved just as much as his dad loved him, Did they get to see the child in the early ages of life? No. There was a lot of things missing. And I put this in perspective because we've got to see this. Joseph, Jacob did not see their birth. He did not spend much time with them. But let me show you man's perspective. Go to verse number um, uh, 15. Verse number 15, well, let's read all the way through this. Let's see what, what it says. Let's go to verse number seven. It says, As Joseph went up to bury his father and went with him, all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph and his brother and his family's house, only their little ones and their herds and their, and their, and, and their herds, and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him with both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And there came to the threshold of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with a great and very sore, sore lamentations. And he made a, a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites saw the mourning in the, in the floor of Atad, um, they said, this is a grievous mourning of the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called ebelim I'm going to say that wrong, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him according as they commanded them. And his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought into the field for the possession of a burying place of Ephraim the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. So everybody's came back. It's kind of calmed down after the father. And this is, this is a couple months Because it took a while to get there. They mourn 70 days and they go up there. They're up there seven days, but they have to travel there and travel back. There's a lot of days in there, probably closer to 90 to 95 days, three month period. And it says in verse number 14, they all come back. Now, here's man's perspective of anything, especially family. Look at man's perspective. It's from 15 through verse 18. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre hate us, and he will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. First of all, it shows how guilt-ridden they are. They look at this and they say, oh, my word, he's going to kill us. And then it says, and they sent a messenger unto Joseph. I think that's interesting. <laughs> they didn't go and say, hey, okay, here we are. No, they're going to hire a messenger. the messenger's going to go see him, and he's going to say something to him, and the messenger's supposed to come back and tell them. It says, "And they sent a messenger, "Thy father did command before he died, saying <laughs> I think this is interesting. they're bringing up Dad. It says, "Listen, Dad said this. Um, so verse number 17 so shall you say unto Joseph forgive I pray thee now the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin for they did unto thee evil and now we pray thee forgive the trespasses of the servants of God to thy father of thy father and Joseph wept when they spake unto him here again here's his emotion it's one thing to forgive somebody it's another thing for someone to tell you that you need to forgive them amen And they're using dad as their ploy. Here they say, here's what's happening. You know, remember what you said to dad. And then they list all these things. The messenger says this. And man's perspective would have never ended the way this verse ended. How many of you have been treated wrong by somebody? Raise your hand. If they sent you a messenger and said this to you, and replayed everything that they had done wrong to you, and how you need to forgive them anyway, what would your natural reaction, I'm going to tell you what mine would be, I'd be madder than when, it, when they first got the message. Right? Because all they've done is brought up all these bad things in front of you. And it's almost like it's not very sincere because they're having a messenger say it. This would be something you'd want to say personally, Bernard. You wouldn't say, hey, um, w- can you imagine... You get mad at your wife, and, and she's, she's nothing to get mad over, okay? I just want you to know that. But instead of saying you're sorry, you call Cecil up and say, Cecil, I want you and your wife to go over and tell my wife I'm sorry. I was wrong. I did all these things wrong. You need to forgive me. What do you think your wife would say? <laughs> and that would be a private conversation, Amen with some bruises on Bernard probably. (laughs) But when you look at this whole thing, he sits there, he hears all this. Does Joseph know what they did? He lived it! And what does he do? This is why I love this chapter. His perspective of family was he wept. And he wasn't weeping because he was mad, he was weeping because of really everything that was said and really They didn't have enough guts to say it to him himself. And he already knew it. And he sits there and he weeps. I wonder what the messenger thinks when this all happens. This is what I'm supposed to say. I don't know if he was reading it or he memorized it. And at the very end, he's probably going, I hope you don't kill the messenger. And he looks at the man that's second in the world power wise. And what does he do? He cries. Keep reading. The next verse. It says, And all the house of, uh, I'm sorry, in verse number 18, And his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy, what? Servants. He turned, they turn around and they come in and they finally go down, they fall on their face and say, Listen, we'll be your servants. You know, in all actuality, when you study this, this is man's perspective. They're doing what normal men would do. They're scared to death of what happened, scared they could get killed. They send somebody in. He says all these things. They fall down on his face and they say, listen, we're, basically what they're saying in this, it's not written, but what they're saying is, we're no longer your brethren. We're your servants. You want to talk about a guilt-riddled verse? They know the perspective of this. And they say, listen, we're no longer your brethren, we're your servants. You know the difference between Joseph at this point in chapter 50 and any other type? What was, my first pers- what was the per- first perspective we looked at? Joseph's perspective on what? Authority. You know there's, there's something different in this chapter. You know what the difference is? The only authority he has is Who? Pharaoh. In man's perspective. These brothers better thank the Lord for God. Because he could do anything to them. Watch. When he was at Pharaoh, when he was at Potiphar's house, did he have a did he have authority over him that governed him? Absolutely he did. It was Potiphar. When he was sold into slavery, it was the people that were selling him into slavery. When he was a child, he had his dad, he had his brothers. Now now you look at this and you keep go through the list and then you have the, the, the jail system. He had an authority over there. And then when he gets even with Pharaoh at this point, he still has an authority, but now he really does not have an authority when it comes to his brethren. His brothers know that. Because guess what? Dad's gone. And that's how they started this thing with the messenger. Hmm. There has always been an authority in Joseph's life, but now dad's gone and they know it. You say, well, he had Pharaoh. With everything we've looked at with Pharaoh in this chapter alone, does Pharaoh love Joseph? Does he have a lot of respect for Joseph? Okay. Do you not think that he could have said, Pharaoh, I need to talk with you for just a second. Pull him off in the side room and say, listen, tell him the whole story of what his brothers had done. What do you think Pharaoh would have done? He'd have had them on a short leash, and that leash, he would have killed them with it. Not only that, What do you think Pharaoh would have done to his brothers if they did that to him? His own brothers. It would not be a pretty sight. All he had to do was sit down and tell Pharaoh. And you know what? Everything that he could have done to his brothers would have been justified in man's perspective of family. But you see his perspective. And the only thing that changed, that that makes him different than most of us in here that makes him different from most of us is his perspective on family when God is brought into the whole aspect of it. I have a relative that um, had someone pass away in their family and they were worth over $800,000. And there were three people on the will. And the one partic- particular person that, that's in my family and another person in my family, one of them changed the will. and Did something and altered the will. I don't know how they did it legally, but I do know that they did it. And the one, the two people that were the offset, that were not in charge of the estate, got a check for $35,000. Both of them got $35,000. If we do math, 35 times 2 is what, Bernard? $70,000. Watch this. She was worth $800,000. How much is left? $730,000. The one person took all the money. If you were to meet the one person that had the 730,000, miserable. If you were to meet the person that had the 35,000, I don't know the other one, but the one that got 35,000, I asked this person, I said, "How do you deal with this?" Cuz I wanted to know, man, I would I, I'd have to put it in perspective that I wouldn't be bitter about it. You know what this person said to me? $35,000 is better than nothing. And I want to tell you, if I put them both up here and you met both of them, you would be gravitating to the 35,000 and you would have nothing to do with the 730,000. You know what the difference is? This one right here, and I'm not making this up, this one right here is a Christian. This one over here is not. See, money is everything, power is everything, but over here when you have the right perspective of family, you know, let's just take us to even a different level. Um, all his brothers had was Joseph. Do you realize what verse we read? Let's go back to when they're about ready to travel. All they had was Joseph. (coughs) They don't even realize it because later on they would send a messenger. But let's go to a verse in front of it. Go to verse number Eight. And if you're underlining anything in your Bible, underline this, this little portion of Scripture in here, verse number 8. And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house. Now watch this. Only their little ones and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. The only thing they had was Goshen. And who gave them that? Joseph did. They didn't take the little ones because they couldn't make the trip. And you say, well, what's this got to do with herds and flocks? That's their money. The only thing they had was Joseph. They better thank God that Joseph had a God. Because if he would have went on his own merit, bitterness would have destroyed him. And he would have killed them. I don't know if he would have killed them before or after the dad was gone. But they know at this point in juncture that, hey, something's different. Dad's not here. We can't protect us. But all they had was Joseph. All his brothers had was Joseph. And all Joseph had was God. So we have have Joseph's perspective of authority. We have Joseph's perspective of family. Now let's get Joseph's perspective of God. Because you're going to see what he he does and what he says (coughs) as we get to it. It says in verse... They've said that they're going to be servants in verse number 18. We'll be servants. And he's not going to have anything to do with that. But you're going to see a reaction to his family, although he has a great perspective on authority and a great perspective on family, he also has it when it comes to God. And you're going to see God in full circle of who Joseph was. He responds to all these, and, and he can't believe some of the things they're saying. We already know he's crying. But in verse number 19, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Question mark. First of all, he puts them in there and he does what I like. I like what he does because he says the same thing when, when you talk about Mary and Joseph in the New Testament. The angels, every time they see him, they know that they see them to tell them what's going on. What's the first two words they usually say? Fear not. Because they're scared of what's in front of them. Now they have this man that... <coughs> Is an authority over them and can do anything he wants. And he turns around and his first two words out of his mouth was, it wasn't like, hey buddy, I'm going to get you. The first two words was fear not. It's exactly what, what, what the angel said to Joseph and Mary. He says, fear not. I'm not going to do what you would do to me. I'm going to do what God wants me to do to you. That's to exercise forgiveness. Verse number 20 is probably the most powerful verse in this chapter. But as for me, as for you, you thought evil against me. They thought death against him. When they sold him, I could almost hear one of them looking at the other one and saying, I wonder what he thinks of his dream now. Little did they know that the perspective that they were sending him to fulfill their dream, his dream. And that dream would save their life. He says, listen, you meant evil for it. And I think down deep they understood that you meant death for it. And then it says, but God meant it unto good. I don't understand everything that's going on. But God knows why. You know, when, when Daniel and Kelly are going through this, and it's a rough thing. I, I, and, and Josh will share it with you also, but I, 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 I contacted everybody that I knew on Tuesday morning and I had them pray for him. I've got evangelists, churches, and everywhere that I knew. And I, and I wrote one of my, my youth pastors, and he's out in Idaho, and I said, listen, I said, um, you need to pray for him. He texted me back. His name's Andrew. He's an incredible man. He's from Virginia. And um, he said, well, I got a prayer request for you. And he mentioned a girl by the name of Jennifer. And I was like, really? You know, sometimes we think we got it rough, and then we hear other stories. And you don't know how God works in it. Jennifer's in her early 30s, has four kids under the age of 10. And yesterday she had a double mastectomy. She's going to have cancer. She has cancer, breast cancer, and she's going to have to have radiation and chemo right after that. I can't imagine what they're going through. So I've been texting him to find out. She came through surgery okay. She still doesn't know the extent of what the cancer is going to be. You know, we don't know why we're going through things. We don't know why God would do things like this. And I guarantee you in Joseph's life, He's like, why does this always happen? You know one aspect of Joseph's life we never look at? We're creatures of habit, aren't we? What was Joseph's last position? He was working for Pharaoh, right? Everybody know that? Okay. I wonder in the back of his mind if he ever thought, when's God going to take this from me? You ever thought about that? I mean, let's think about this. He goes to Potiphar's house. He gets sold into slavery. He goes into Potiphar's house, and God says in in Genesis that that Potiphar's house was blessed because of him. And then right at the peak of everything going on, boom, he slammed into jail. He gets in the jail, and he rises up. And he tells these dreams, He's he's in charge of the jail. And everything seems to be going okay for him, even in a jail system. And then he rises up even higher to Pharaoh's position. And we know that nothing ever happened to him when he was in Pharaoh's. But I wonder if with with man's perspective, if he ever thought, when's this going to come to an end? We're creatures of habit. In the back of his mind, he's probably thinking, if I fail, if I do this, or if I make Pharaoh upset... I'm just one step away from going into prison. I'm one step of being, being killed. He had the right perspective with everything. And he was a, and I, I can't wait to see him and meet him. He is a man that walked on clouds, I think, with everything because he went through so much and yet he still survived and really was blessed and saved the world. Let's look at some other things. Not only this, if you keep reading in verse number 20, when you read that whole verse of 20, I've got this written down. It says, problems were directions to him. Every problem that he went through made a direction go more to the point where he had to go. It took Potiphar, it took Potiphar's wife, it took the butler, it took everything to get where he would be in charge, second in charge in the world. Now look what he says in verse number 21. and We're almost done. Verse 21 says, Now therefore fear ye not, he says it again, I will, what's the next word? Nourish you. You know what nourishment is? Day-to-day needs. I'm going to take care of you, day-to-day needs. And he's already shown them that. Gave them some of the best land and and set this whole thing up and and they're prospering and everything. And not only he takes it even a step further, he says, I'm I'm going to... Nourish you, and what's this? what's what's this next one. And your what? Little ones. Not only am I going to take care of you, but I'm going to take care of your little ones. You say, well, this is probably the norm. Really? It's not the norm. It's not man's perspective. Let me show you. Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel goes to the lion's den, comes up, And they've set set this whole thing up to get Daniel, right? What does the king do? The king takes all the people that did it and throws them in the lion's den. Who else does he throw in? All their kids also. The norm was, okay, you cross me, I'm going to take care of it. That's man's perspective. And whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it tenfold to what you did it to me. Not him, he says, listen, I'm going to nourish you, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with your, your, your little ones, you and your little ones, and then I like this, and it says, and he, after this, what's the next word? And he comforted them. That is the last thing they thought he would do. And then I like this, and we'll go to one scripture after this, then it says, and spake, what's the next word? Kindly. This is not normal. Joseph is not normal. If Joseph, and I know you're going to say, well, this is the New Testament. If Joseph were to pick one life verse, I've got his life verse. I know what I would choose for Joseph. He could never choose this verse because it wasn't written. It's in the New Testament. Let's flip over to Ephesians. I could see Joseph signing your Bible and putting this verse down because he lived it. He just didn't know Paul was going to talk about him in in Ephesians chapter 4. If Joseph were signing your life ver- his life verse in your Bible, he would sign Ephesians chapter 4 and verse what? 32. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, everybody knows it. It says this, it says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, you're not going to have that in any cross-reference, but I'm telling you that's Joseph's Joseph's life verse. That's exactly who he was. And it's hard to do that. You say, well, that's just easy to say, but let's look at it in perspective of of context. Let's go to verse number 25. We're going to read through it. And you tell me if this just does not sum up who Joseph is. Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, we are members one to another, and be ye, ang- be ye angry and sin not. It tells you that you can be angry, but you don't need to sin. And then everybody in here, let not, your, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then verse number 27 is another aspect of his life, never give place to the devil. Because if there was one thing that Joseph did, he controlled his mind. You know, most of the things you think about people are not even true. Let me, let me share with you. If I were to walk out and Brother Brown didn't shake my hand, my brain would go full functional. What did I do to him? Have I done something wrong? Do I need to send him flowers again? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alright. I'm just kidding. But you know, we, we think these things don't you th- don't you do this? You do this at job at businesses? You do this with people, you do it with church, you do it with family. Well, why do they not look at me? Why'd they not look at me? What'd I do to them? Why would they do this? And it starts in your mind. And and You can list them, Simeon, all of them, Reuben. They better be thankful that Joseph had a God that was bigger than his brain and his perspective. Keep reading, it says this. Let him that stole, still still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good that he may have it to give to them that, that needeth it. Verse number 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That which is good to the use of edifying that is that may minister grace unto the hearers. You know what? I think he, I think he did that also. I I don't know if Pharaoh knew everything about it, but I don't, just knowing an ungodly person, I don't know what he would do to a, a family like that. I think he kept it to himself. And then it says this and grieve not the Holy Spirit. Of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now verse number 31 is one of the key things with this. Look at this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. If there's anybody that has the right to be mad, it would be Joseph. He's kind, tender hearted. Let's put it in a personal application. I'm going to pick on Russ. I'm not going to pick on, I was going to pick on Mike Brown, but I think he would, I don't know what he would do. Russ, (laughs) if you were Joseph, what would you do to Potiphar's wife when you got out? I said I wasn't talking to you, Okay. (laughs) You would destroy her. Did Potiphar know his wife? Absolutely he knew his wife. Do you guys know your, fam- know your family, know your wife? Absolutely you know what they're going to do. You know who they are. He knew what she was capable of. This was not something new. This just didn't happen to one person. What would you do to Potiphar? Nail him to the, nail him. What would you do to the butler that forgot about you? He would not be a butler. What would you do to your brothers that tried to kill you? That's why I say it's supernatural. He didn't think like us. He was an amazing man. That's why when I read that he weeps, that's why we got to be like him. I don't know I would do the same I'd probably slowly torture every one of them and show them how much authority you have I would put them in a court system I mean I would would do it but if it wasn't for the grace of God we would all do that that's where God comes in the picture he had the right perspective of authority he had the right perspective of family and he had the right perspective of God. Now I want to say this: family will let you down. I've told my daughters, I've said, "You know, listen, if you were to get in trouble and you were to go in the jail system, you'd still be my daughters. I love you dearly. Now it would change the perspective of what, what you can and cannot do, but they would still be my daughters. We've got to get back to understanding that God wants us to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How many of you feel like God's forgiven you of things? And how come we have such a hard time forgiving others? No one in this room has ever went remotely close to what Joseph went through. No one in this room, watch this, this is the most powerful thing, no one in this room has ever had the authority that Joseph had. But you know why God gave Joseph the authority? Because he knew he would handle it correctly. Lord I thank you so much for this day I thank you for the perspective of authority I thank you for the perspective of family and we're all church family here we need to make sure we're tender hearted forgiving one another we need to make sure we have the right perspective of God